you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money Podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, Portfolio Managers with Barrican Capital Management, Inc. This week, you're about to embark on part one of a two-part series featuring special guest Matt Kempton from our Portfolio Management team. In the series, Matt takes Colin on a journey through space and time. We hope you'll travel along with us. Welcome to the next episode of Bare Naked Money. And we've got a special new co-host today, Mr. Matthew Kempton of uh, Hefalax, Nova Scotia is is going to actually run this entire podcast and i'm just going to sit here and react are you all ready to are you all ready to run a whole podcast with bare naked money matthew i am ready and excited but just at a point of correction today i am in dartmouth nova scotia so. oh je m'excuse je m'excuse i apologize so what was it that uh, you wanted to get me to live react to well this is the time of year colin when a lot of year in review content comes out um, but I thought we'd take a different approach to that and look back, in fact, over the last four years to to this time in 2019, a point in time that actually had some similarities to, to where we sit today. I mean, we were this time four years ago, we were in a market that was still rising, but economic growth was slowing, the yield curve had inverted, economists were calling for a recession to happen next year. There was a U.S. election coming next year. So there were, there were a lot of similarities to, to, to this time four years ago to where we sit today. Um, and in fact, I, I thought just to point to make a point of that, I pulled a few headlines, some from today, some from 2019. And I thought I'd just throw them at you to see if you could distinguish between one. Was this a 2019 event or was this a 2023 event? So how do you feel about that game? Oh, I didn't know this was going to be skill testing. I thought I was just going to get to pontificate on all of my other, my other experience, but all right. All right. I'm in for the, I'm not about above looking silly for the, for the amusement of the crowd. So absolutely come at me. Let's, let's see how much I really know and don't know. Okay. First headline, Oxford dictionaries word of the year is climate emergency. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, I did see that go by, and I don't remember it recently. So I'm going to say 2019. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Very good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that the word of the year, or was that something that made the dictionary last year? Uh, well, they call it the word of the year, and I, it is two words, but Oxford Dictionaries, they're the keeper of the words, so I think they make the rules here. <laughs> well, they're also probably struggling for a business model, so... Being more, <laughs> being more, more, more out there, more dangerous, maybe is their thing. So that that's true. Autocorrect is probably it's probably really hurt the dictionary business. I haven't thought about that before. Well, and another business that's suffering is the encyclopedia business. So yeah, some businesses have been impacted by that. But but no, I mean it, we've we've uh, we've had the polar vortexes and we've had the tropical rivers and we've we've had all kinds of other dangerous sounding phrases come up to describe weather events and catching lots of eyeballs but yeah no this is something that uh could equally apply to now i mean we've we've had certainly all across canada we've had climate events over the last year that would could be classified this way but no i, re I remember that one that's long ago there must be there must be a better word this year hey do you have this year's word i don't actually oh okay yeah. um all right so very good on number one. Let's move on to number two here. 
You'll never believe what Donald Trump just said about 9-11. Um, well, this is a straight-up guess because um, he said some – you know what? He's, he, he would not have waited until now to have said something. So I'm going to go with 2019 again because he doesn't hold back a whole lot. You're very good at this game. Two for two. <laughs> well, it's 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 one of those ones that, uh, yeah, and I, and I guess to tie this back to a theme, we're talking about events and or headlines that maybe you would think are new now that are maybe causing additional stress or problems now. And uh, I think your point here is that we've these things are actually from four years ago. And over the last four years, the world has not completely fallen apart from an economic perspective. So maybe they were not the harbingers of death and gloom that maybe people thought about back in the day. You saw right through my thinking there. So you're exactly right on on those first two. But now let's see if I can stop you on the last one here. Colombia begins a campaign to sterilize its invasive hippos, the escaped ex-pets of drug cartel head Pablo Escobar. (laughs) but Pablo Escobar hasn't been a thing for a long time I want to stick with 2019 I don't think there's new headlines about Pablo Escobar now you got that one wrong so two for three still a passing grade but I finally stumped you well yes sterilized hippos is something that hasn't shown up on my uh, my feet Uh, maybe I'm clicking on the wrong kind of news I have to go pretty obscure here to stop you. Well, there you go. I didn't know you could sterilize hippos. But anyway, uh, go nerds. So uh, so you're right. So the point here was to say there's certainly some similarities that existed between 2019 and, and today. Uh, but of course, a lot has happened between now and then. We, we did experience a recession, but not for the reasons that they were predicting this time, uh, November 2019. It was, of course, because of COVID and the resulting shutdown of the economy. And since then, the economy has reopened. Vaccines have been developed. Markets have recovered. People have gone back to gathering, eating out, traveling, normal types of things. Uh, So now with the benefit of hindsight, we might say, well, that wasn't all so bad. You had a bit of fear of the unknown, of the disease, felt a bit of pain in the market, but it's mostly all worked out. It's, It's so obvious now. What I'd like to do in this episode is go back to some of the major events we experienced over the past four years and try to put ourselves in our shoes at that time and reflect on how we felt at the time of that event, maybe what we thought might happen, and then what really did occur. So well, just try, try to learn. Try, try to go back and, and, and re-experience previous emotions so that when we feel those emotions this time, that we have a bit more of an opportunity to make the right choice. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we might have a, there might be a bit of PTSD over some of these, some of these events here. Now we've gone through a lot over the past four years, of course, but uh, let's figure we start at the beginning here, January, 2020. So, so this is to you, Colin, just curious about starting here with the, with this headline, how you felt at this point when the first case of COVID reached the U S traveling, we came back from to Washington state from Wuhan, uh, so we've got one case that's made it to this side of the world. How did you feel at that point, and what did you think it all meant? I was listening, but again, it's it's difficult, and with everybody competing for eyeballs, to know when to start to pay attention. So I was not an early adopter of being afraid. I mean, I, I say this today, I'm not a doctor, so 
it's not as if I want to look at information and then vary from what the recommendation of the authorities are because I don't feel I'm smart enough to disagree most of the time. So I'm very much a rule follower. You tell me exactly what the rules are. I will live up to all of the rules, but I, I, I really don't trust my ability to, to outthink the experts, uh, certainly in an aggressive way. I, I may be more, I may allow my, my concerns. I may want a greater margin of safety and choose not to do something. But no, I wasn't the first couple of cases that came out. I didn't feel that there was anything major there. Um, but I mean, obviously that quickly changed, but I'm not sure where you're going to go with the headline. I don't want to steal your thunder. So no, I was not worried when the first case showed up in the U S and it was starting to be reported. Well, fair enough. But as you say, it did quickly change. So I, I want to take you now to March of 2020 world health organization finally declared we were in a global pandemic. What, what's going through your head at that point you know, and where did you see things going? Well, it was, I think, a, a real sense of, wow, what are all of the consequences going to be out of this? What's a reasonable expectation for how long this is going to take? And um, yeah, just a complete discomfort with what the course was going forward. Now, economically, I was not as concerned economically because... This was going to change economic activity, but I didn't, you know, right at the outset, I'm going, Hey, there's going to be some big winners here. Healthcare will be big winners. You know, the technology are going to be big winners. I mean, when you started taking a look at the globe and it was funny, it was one of those events where the whole globe started working on one thing. So there was maybe a lot more cooperation. And so I don't think I was as concerned from an economic perspective that, that things were going to be terrible. I thought that there would certainly be some dislocation. But one thing the market does is just redistribute capital. And I'm not sure when, I don't think it would have been right in March. It may have started in March, but taking a look at watching the, the global governments react and how quick they were to move to stimulus. Similar to 2008 when the financial collapse happened, and all the central banks got together and decided to print money to get through a bad spatch. You know, this again was one of those ones that largely there wasn't really a villain. This was like us against nature kind of thing, um, so which is even more freeing because for the most part, this was seen as this is just a global challenge we all have to get through. So maybe more cooperation uh, could be hoped for at that time. So, but it was, it was, it was a huge unknown. It was a huge unknown from the perspective of, Oh my God, what's going to happen next? Uh, so yeah, I was sitting around talking with people and gazing at my belly button going, wow, where does this go for sure? Well, I, uh, I consider myself an optimist, but I have to say I, I wasn't as optimistic as you through that period. It, it I remained optimistic, but uh, on the scale of my optimism, I found myself on the other, other side of it now. Maybe in my defense, I mean, I just have some numbers here around market-related pieces that were going on. The S&P 500 and the TSX fell about 34% in very short order, fastest bear market that's ever occurred. In fact, I mean, you might remember some of those days where we had we hit the we hit the circuit breaker a number of times in the market, and investors were even pleading that we should just close the market for a period here until until the dust settles. So that was. Um, and in the, within that period, we were all sent home to work, and uh, it, so it was it was a unique period. It was a it was a uh, unique. Maybe I'll I'll just go with. But those 
certainly had reason to, to believe in technology, believe in healthcare. And then March 23rd came quicker than we would have expected. And no one knew it at the time, but we found a bottom on the market. Well, and, and it, it's interesting you bring this up because, again, I tell the story all the time. Part of what I can sit here with is more experience than you have had. So having sat through the tech wreck of 99 into 2000, having had money in the market and been working in 2008, those are very seminal events in my career where you know things really, really blew up and it looked like it was going to be a really, really big mess and it didn't it never manifested, right? 2008 was close to the collapse of, of the monetary system. So when you come through a couple of these events, you see the other side. This isn't my first rodeo. Wow, this is really bad. And again, I don't want to be glib. And I always say this when we start talking about these topics. The human toll that happened is almost immeasurable. And it was an absolute tragedy. And not to belittle for a minute any of the pain or suffering that everybody endured during that. The markets allocate capital. And as long as there's a use for capital and a source of capital, it can level itself out. And my confidence in that comes from watching really major events that looked like it was going to bring the whole system down, just work their way through the system. And I was liking it back to coaching sports. Again, first time you're coaching a kid playing basketball and they run up the floor and they run into somebody and they get the wind knocked out of them and they can't breathe. They think they're going to die. It's the very first time they couldn't breathe. And you go and you're looking them in the eye and they're looking at you in the eye and they 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 think they're dying. They, they're, they don't think they're ever going to be able to breathe again. And gradually the breath comes back. And after that moment, that kid now no longer fears having the wind knocked out of them. So when it comes to market tumult, and as much as people study and go to school until you've actually felt it and you've sat there in the moment, because again, these things can be obvious in hindsight, but in the moment, nothing's obvious. It's scary. And there's not really a replacement for experience when these things happen. You know, where did the confidence come from? Don't entirely know other than this, I've, I've seen it be this messy before. And again, that was, for me, that, that, that was where my calm came from. We're going to find a way out of this. I'm not sure how quickly, whether it's going to be six months from now or a year from now or six weeks from now. But yeah, no, there's some opportunity here for sure. Well, and then after March, we sort of, we enter a strange period, maybe as a society. I mean, do you remember Zoom parties? Did you take part of those with, with family or friends? Uh, we tried. And again, this was, was pushed a lot of technology, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things like that were, we were being slow to adopt that got pushed and should have been pushed. We were being slow to adopt for no reason, like buying a house remotely, being able to do legal agreements remotely, being able to do all kinds of stuff remotely, which honestly, the technology has been there for a couple of decades, but we just had to slow to adopt. So the silver lining was it pushed all those things along. And I think a lot of those benefits have stayed. We still are able to do things way more conveniently than we were pre-pandemic. Absolutely. That, that's another really good point. That, uh, we, it's easier to be in a, this is the way we've always done it sort of world and approach this, this event forced to, well, how would you build it if you started today? I can remember every time another company or another client became comfortable with doing things digitally, I kind of celebrated. I said, there you go. The whole world just got a little bit better because... Even the government, like another government agency is willing to deal with us electronically and other clients comfortable dealing. And again, it's it's not a selfish thing. It's just that the world's more efficient that way. And if we can be more efficient, we can spend our time and energy doing other things to improve the world. 
So I'm a huge fan, and I do. I, in the moment, I was celebrating. This is great. And again, I was still optimistic that when this is all over, some of these changes are going to stick. The next time I'm here, maybe you weren't so surprised when this finally happened. In December of 2020, vaccines were finally uh, finally, finally developed. And, and the markets reacted, and, and it felt like things were different immediately. So, but yeah. you were already ready for that, it sounds. Well, I mean, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of science and I'm a big fan of nerds. I mean, nerds are great. Some of my best friends are nerds and given enough time, they can work shit out. So I, I figured it was relatively inevitable that this was going to happen out of timeline, huge deal. And under the pressures of time and, and what was at stake, the quality and efficacy of, of what was put forward. And again, the, the information was changing so quickly that you, I don't think, and it's funny because I've had clients say to me many times, we'll wait till everything gets all sorted out and then we'll make a decision. Everything's never all sorted out. There's there's, there's no moment in human history where you say, all right, everybody stands still. We all have it sorted out. If nobody does anything new, we've arrived. No, there's always the next thing. So yeah, the vaccine came out, but then there was all kinds of questions about supply and efficacy and and, and changes in the virus and stuff. And then there was the, the mainstream news. And then there's the governments trying to develop policy in real time. Governments don't do things quickly. Like, it was, like they develop a policy that can take two or three years. They were being asked to do it every two or three weeks. So again, it was there, there was a huge discomfort for sure. The headline, hey, we have a vaccine, was nice. And I think that was seen as a positive thing. And the market is where everybody votes. So I don't even know. Did the market respond that strongly to the that particular event? Is that something you have on your in your notes? The, it's noticeable on a chart. But the day of the announcement, I think they called it Pfizer Monday. Even the day that that it was announced that the markets they they took the stance of okay, we can see a path forward here now, and like you say, capital was allocated and and people went long. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's what the market does. I mean, if there's if there's an announcement and there's Everybody's going to have their opinion on timeline. It's going to take two to three months to develop enough supply and do distribution. And then they're going to start betting on what the timeline is going to be. Um, so, yeah, the, the market is the number one leading indicator of the market. Now, moving into 2021, I mean, as you remember, through, well, through 2020 and through all this period, we were all stuck at home and everyone collectively decided we're just going to order things from Amazon and order goods online, whether they need them or not. We have to continue to shop. And so shipping rates went through the roof. And then here in March, the container ship ever given ran aground in the Suez Canal in March, holding up billions in trade. The ship was freed six days later. Well, how did you feel? What was going through your mind? Was sort of like this? Well, it was interesting because that, I think that that story got a whole bunch of extra views because everybody was getting so used to having stuff delivered to them. And... Mm was one of those ones that absent everybody sitting at home and waiting for Amazon back, even though there may not have been one Amazon delivery on that boat or any of those boats that are being held up, it, it drew a lot more attention to that because we began to we look at all these transitory issues. I can't buy a snowmobile. I can't buy a bicycle. I can't, there was, there was all of these things you couldn't happen. So, well, where is everything stuck? And then you start looking at, at the boats now. Again, those are just one of those things that it was going to work itself out. That boat wasn't going to stay stuck forever. That, that was going to get itself cleaned up. Do I have to wait another two months or three months to get my bike? Yeah, maybe. Am I going to have to wait another year to get next model year in my car? Sure. But I don't think there was any direct line between any of the slowdowns and shipping to starvation 
or or any part of the world. It was just we had nothing else to pay attention to. This was the other problem. Like everybody's sitting at home, all of your activities are taken away. Like you're not driving your kids to sports seven nights a week. You're not socializing all the time. You're not coming home dead tired. You had a lot more time to pay attention to things. So everything would be amplified. Online consumption of news actually was through the roof as well, because everybody wanted to read what was going on. And then tribes developed and everybody was getting their own news feed and that didn't help anything. But yeah, when that happened, it was like, yeah, that's inconvenient, but I, I don't think it's a harbinger of anything major to come. But there were people who were going like, oh my God, this will never sort itself out. Like, well, you know, shipping will never return to normal. That's right. I mean, it certainly saw a path to it improving, but it was pretty fascinating. Just, you know, looking at there was real time, you know, shipping maps you could look at and just see the, the ships sitting off the coast of Long Beach, sitting off the coast of Vancouver. And it was, uh, it was pretty significant. They were sitting out there for 14 days before they could be processed. It was just a strange period as we all said, we, we need a new TV or we need. We need some more goods, and and then there was worker shortages as well that uh, identified that. Well, and I think the real danger is that we look at all these things and we try to turn them into an investable idea. Like, what's the investable idea? Nothing. There's a boat stuck in the Suez Canal. What do you? Why? Why does it have to be an investable idea? Well, I know how it's going to work out. So, is is, is that going to impact the price of consumer discretionaries? Like, does that mean the Spotify? Is is going to you know do better this quarter because more people are sitting on listening to music. I mean, there, that that was like part of what drove me nuts professionally and because people had time in their hands. They tried to turn every one of these events into an investable idea. That's not how investing works. It's not about noticing a ship getting stuck and deciding to reallocate part of your portfolio. It, there's just no there's nothing there's no reliable thing to do there. That's true, but be careful. There's a lot of investor newsletters that really rely on that mattering to keep selling. So. I apologize. I, I'm, I'm like the guy who just entered the fitness industry and said, listen, you want to lose weight, move more and eat less. What's next? I mean, I just wiped out like but a $3 trillion dollar industry, right? The $3 trillion industry just ceased to exist because I just said, eat less and move more, you'll lose weight. Next case. Right? So, so yeah. will be allocated differently all because of this. <laughs> I can always hope, right? <laughs> Moving markets. So now we now we move to July. It was July of 2021, and Jerome Powell says something for the first time. The famous phrase now he says inflation is transitory. Inflation is four percent at the time in the U.S. Where did you see inflation going at the time, and, and so what concern did you have with it? Well, I thought it was a bold statement because again, I think that they were drawing conclusions that were not in evidence. I think that there was a lot of pressure for them to either act or come up with a reason not to act. I think everybody was looking at Jerome and all the other central bankers and saying, you either need to fix this or you need to tell us it's not. So I think they took the path and Tiff Macklin in Canada took the same route of saying, yeah, this is transitory. And in hindsight, both of them said, yeah, no, it wasn't. But I think the true thing was that as inflation began to kick in, they did they weren't convinced they needed to act right away. It was not apparent to them that they needed to act. The words they put around that were transitory. Like that, that was how they explained to the world why they weren't acting. And I, I think it was a bit of a misnomer. It certainly was a miscalculation uh, because there was the confluence of things that came together between the backup, the supply chain interruption, and then you got into this in the accounting world. We used to call it just-in-time manufacturing, where 
the steel showed up at the front of the plant, a car rolled at the back of the plant, and everything showed up just as it was needed. They went from that because of the supply chain disruption to just in case manufacturing, where you had to stockpile things and you were companies that was now in their best interest to keep an inventory of things just in case because of all these disruptions. So that is less efficient. That's going to drive up the cost of things. So to the extent that this was a material change in manufacturing, it was fairly apparent at the time that, you know what, this might stick. This is a less efficient way of doing things. Uh, globalization had kind of taken a hit. Mr. Trump had, had seen to that. So countries are more interested in, in doing their own thing. Canada did not have a, the capacity to produce any vaccines. And of course, there's lots of votes to be gotten for the government to stand up and say, hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a plant here that can produce vaccines because countries producing vaccines said, yeah, well, we're, when all our people have vaccines, then we'll send you some. And again, there's a lot of political credibility or political votes to be picked up by saying, that's not acceptable. We're going to build that capacity here. The reason we don't have vaccine capacity in Canada is it's not efficient to have it here. So that all of those things were inefficient compared to where things were. So yeah, it was there were reasons and I was I was a little bit questioning whether it was transitory or not. I could see the case for it, but I could also see where there's probably some permanent increases here that are going to seep their way into the system. Yeah. I'm sympathetic to the position he was in. It was a it was a hard time to make any assessment like that. I mean you had such a supply chain disruption, how much of that might be permanent. Um, you know, the economy all of this stimulus, how will it how will it play out will more come and so I, I think I think it was reasonable to say that at the time. It just maybe wasn't so reasonable to carry that narrative for another nine months before really uh, taking action when inflation had spurred maybe a little bit of the control. So I think well, I, I, see this. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And I have some sympathy as well because they're working on delayed information. They don't have current information. Their information is 30, 60, 90 days behind. And the most current stuff they have is very prone to being restated. If you think by November the 5th, we accurately know what the GDP number for October was, you're a little optimistic. There's, there's, there's not, the data is not that clean or available or reliable that quick. And they were trying to parse this all together, not only internally within the U.S. or within Canada, they were also trying to parse together the globe because, again, the Canadian and U.S. economies do not exist in a vacuum. So they had to not only parse internal numbers, on a delay, they had to take a look at what the global numbers were. And quite honestly, it was a bit of a mess of spaghetti, but it was very difficult to find directions and things. Well, absolutely. And we knew we were in a period where sort of the purchasing of goods and services had been so skewed, where generally services are a bigger part of the economy than goods, and they completely flipped. And so when will that normalize? Will it normalize? It still hasn't fully. Um, so very hard to make an assessment at that time. And then savings rates are going through the roof. So a lot of people were paying down credit cards that money was sitting in bank accounts and waiting for a hot tub to be delivered. There was like a whole year or two worth of weddings that got canceled that there was this huge backlog of weddings that had to happen. My favorite was watching all the kids turn of legal age to drink when the, when the bars weren't open. And then they all, they all went running down to the bars after the bars opened up again and the number of bad decisions that had to get crammed into a very limited time and space was truly magnificent to watch, but everything's caught up. We're going to leave you there on that optimistic note. Please join us next week for part two. 
If you're breaking a sweat trying to figure out what your financial advisor is talking about, you're not getting the service you need. You probably hate trying to get an answer from them, but you also think moving your accounts will be a headache, and it might be. But working with DontRockTheBoatWealthPlanning.com or .ru isn't exactly stress-free, is it? Call us. We will demystify the world for you. Vericant Capital Management, Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in all of Canada except Manitoba. So sorry, Manitoba. Nothing in this podcast should be considered as a solicitation or a recommendation to buy or sell a particular security. Statements made by the portfolio managers are intended to illustrate their approach and are meant for information and entertainment purposes only. They should not be construed as legal, tax, or accounting advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.